Hey guys, and welcome to the Hack My Homestead podcast. This is Sean Mills, and today is March 21st, 2023. Today I'm going to talk a bit about what my personal thoughts are on the impending uh, crisis related to how the housing market, right? Uh, I, you hear people talking all the time, oh, the housing market is going to collapse. It's going to be worse than 08. It's going to be the worst one in our lives. Doom, gloom, doom, 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 gloom, gloom, gloom. Uh, I don't buy into that. I think that we learned a lot of lessons as a society in 2007 and 8 and 9. And those lessons, while we, there's still people going to be out there that are going to be taking risks in the market, we're not taking the same kind of risks. So in order to make my point, I want to kind of touch on, uh, you know, just a refresher on the 08 housing market explosion uh, where the bubble popped. So what you had there is you had about a five-year run leading up to 2007 of a significant amount of new homes being built, right? So this is new inventory coming on the market. In addition to that, you had banks who, in some way, through the blessing of the government or the encouragement of the government, were going out and signing people up for loans that they probably should not have had. Now, this is not a huge, huge problem in you know 2005 and six because there just wasn't enough of that issue that was being created to really take us over the tipping point. Um, but as an example, you had, you know, you had people out there buying lo- or buying houses, getting a- approved for two and three hundred thousand dollar loans that had, you know, little to no income, little to no credit history, um, little to no, um, you know desire even to, to, to live in this house and, and pay the 30 year mortgage off. You had people who were literally out there buying houses, 0% down loans, you know, five plus one arms. Um, and they were literally buying houses because they thought that the housing market was going up and they were buying a house so that they could turn around and sell it in a year for more money. You know, the interest-only loans was a big thing that was going on then, and and that was, I mean, literally what they're what people were doing is they were speculating on the housing market at the individual home level, right? You had people that owned four or five, six, seven homes. You had people that were buying homes with next to nothing down, uh, very very low interest rates. Uh, with the hope that, hey, if I can buy a house, I can put a renter in it, I can start cash flow in that house in about six months, and then I'll buy another one. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And, you know, a lot of times that works. But when you've got so many people doing it, because the loans were so easy to get, I mean, there were loans being given literally without any documentation. Now, I don't think that there was a ton of those, but it just goes to show that by the time you got to do that 2007, you had enough of these where they're what they called subprime loans. Uh, they were a much, much too large of a piece of the total mortgages. You had overbuilding. Because look, all the builder cares is that someone buys the house. He doesn't care if that person can pay for it, because it's the bank's problem if the bank can't pay, if the person can't pay for it. All he cares is that it gets bought. 
So you had building just exploding. I mean, you had way more building than there was demand. Uh, But the demand was being driven up by people owning multiple homes because they were speculating on the market. Now, that's a gross oversimplification of the of the issue. But at the crux of the problem, that's kind of I feel like that's a good way to describe it. You had all kinds of other shenanigans going on with how banks were treating each other's assets and, you know, packaging these uh, security mortgage-backed securities and all these things. That's a different issue. But I, as it related to home buying and selling, um, that was that was what you had. You had overbuilding, and you had an inflated demand because people were buying extra houses that they weren't had no intention to live in. Uh, just to speculate on the market. I mean, and I knew people in Nashville, you had all these condos being built at the time. I remember this because I was there. I was actually benefiting from, you know, selling equipment to the companies that were making, that were building these buildings. And you had folks out there, you know, putting $5,000 down on a construction loan. And their entire strategy was, I will never make a single payment on this property. It's going to take a year, 18 months, 24 months for this property to be ready to be lived in. And in that amount of time, I should be able to make thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 in equity um, just because the price of the property is going to go up. So I'm going to secure my five, I'm going to put $5,000 down on a construction loan. I don't have to make payments until the project is complete. And by the time the project is almost complete, my $250,000 condo is going to be worth $300,000. And I'm just going to sell it, have five thousand in, and we get fifty grand out. That was literally the play, and I, it was going over. I mean, you, we had properties that we were working on where we were walking in and we were talking to the construction manager, and we were saying, "So, how much of these units are sold already?" And they'd say something to the, to the effect of, "Well, you know, we're eighty percent sold, sixty percent uh, owner occupied sold." I'm like, well, "What does that mean?" Well, we know that there's a problem with speculation. So 60% of these properties are actually being uh, bought by people who intend to live here. And I'm just looking at the guy like, like, you really believe that? Or is this is this just a party line you're towing here? Um, because everyone knew that the people that were putting money down at the beginning of the project had zero intention of living there. Uh, and then you started seeing something that was interesting that, you know, we saw a lot of on the commercial construction side, which was you would have these contractors go in and buy floors, multiple floors of condos in order to secure the ability to get their equipment on the job. So you had these big crane companies, for example, that would go out and they would buy an entire floor, multiple floors of a building and then have the owner tell the contractor, hey, you have to use these guys for the crane because they just bought two floors in my building. (coughs) Excuse me. Now, it's possible that that person was the right contractor and they were given the right price, but do you need to go buy two floors of the contractor's building or of the uh, owner's building in order to get selected? as the contractor, if you're the best contractor for the job? Probably not. But those kind of games were being played. And for a long time, they were, the contractors were winning. They were buying 
a million dollars worth of units that would be worth $1.3, $1.4 million by the time the project was complete, and they were getting a multi-million dollar construction deal. So the owners of these companies, a lot of times, the owners were doing a personal uh, buy. So they were making hundreds of thousands of dollars on the real estate arbitrage, you know, the price of the units before construction versus after, as well as getting multi-million dollar construction contracts that they were making, you know, 10, 20% on. And so it was a great strategy while it lasted. <coughs> Excuse me. And so this was happening. Um, it, the, the boom was happening. Everyone was making money, it seemed like. Uh, now, it turns out in the end, it was really just a few people were making a ton of money. And a lot of people got left holding the bag at the end of the deal. But that was what caused the, the crisis in 08. It was, you had a lot of people that could never afford to buy the house, basically rolling the dice, hoping that they could pay just the interest or sometimes less than the interest uh, and hoping that uh, the property would be worth so much more in a short amount of time that they could just flip it, get out of it and go on to the next one. And what happened was, is that when that started to fall apart, there wasn't anyone there to scoop it up, to backstop it. There wasn't anyone there to say, oh, yeah, I would not. I was not going to buy that condo at 500K, but at 400K, that's a good deal. So you bought it for 420. Sure that it was going to 500. You, your bet didn't work out. Um, but instead of foreclosing... If you'll just eat the 20K in equity you already have in it, I'll buy it for 400. And I can tell you that I also know of several deals like that that were made on all kinds of things from real estate to boats to cars, um, trucks. There was a lot of things that were being speculated on in those days. And you had savvy investors come in after the crash and scoop stuff up. The problem was, is you didn't have enough. Or, here's the other side of the coin, there was, if you were smart, you knew that it was going to go way down. In 08, if you're paying attention, you knew that shit was going to go way down. And why buy at 50% of the original value if you can just wait for it to go down to 25%? And so there was a lot of that going on. So there wasn't this massive amount of demand that wasn't being met that stepped in once the frothiness started to fall out of the market. And to me, that's the biggest difference between 2008 and, and what we're probably going to see this year and next year. This year, for, Since COVID hit, you had less inventory on the market than you had, uh, or you had more demand on the market than you had inventory to satisfy the demand. That's what started causing prices to go up. Then... You had certain portions of the country that weren't locked down, that had people flocking to those areas from areas that were locked down. So being a a self-described Tennessean, I can tell you that we have so many people from Oregon and Washington State and California and Chicago. uh, And I say Chicago, not Illinois, because Chicago was garbage and the rest of the state was okay. Uh, and from the New England states, particularly New York, New Jersey, 
flocking to Tennessee, flocking to Florida, flocking to Texas. And what does that do? (laughs) Well, that caused the property values in those states to go up more than they otherwise would. Okay. Because when you've got someone in California that's selling their three bedroom, two bath house on a tenth of an acre for $785,000, and then they're coming and looking in rural Tennessee with their $785,000 and ready to spend and bringing a remote job with them that still pays California wages, because that's what was going on in 2020. Um, you were still getting, you were getting people relocating to Tennessee and Idaho and Utah and, and, uh, Nevada from California, much, much lower cost of livings, but they were still getting paid as if they were working in California. Ask, ask me why, uh, Twitter was basically about to go bankrupt before Elon Musk picked up. It was that kind of decision-making. Um, and so you had these people that were moving with the remote jobs that paid, you know, multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash in their pocket. And they're looking at, oh, I'd like that house right there. I'll pay cash for it. And then someone else from Oregon shows up and says, well, I'll pay cash for it and I'll pay 10% over your asking price. And then someone else shows up and says, well, I pay 10% over the asking price and I want no inspections. I'll take it as is, where is, how is. Well, that's dumb. That's idiotic moves, all three of those. And especially when mortgage rates were so low, why would you pay $400,000 cash um, for a property when you could get a loan for it for like less than 3%? But that's a different story. Um, but so what you had was, is you had historically low interest rates you had less inventory on the market that can compete with the amount of demand that there was. And so what did you have? You had a run up in prices. Some of it was dumb and some of it was warranted. Some of it was simple supply and demand economics and some of it was idiots with idiot money doing idiot things. And I don't, look, I'm not mad at those people. Look, if I had a wad of cash in my pocket for selling a property from somewhere else and, and I was coming to Tennessee and I wanted something. Well, guess what? I got. I want something, and I got the means to get it. So I'm not mad at them. I'm just saying that there was a lot of there was a lot of increase in property values driven by competition versus speculation, like we saw in 2008. And so, what you didn't, what you, what you never saw in this current cycle that we're in is you never saw the overbuilding. Okay. It was existing home sales that were going through the roof. There was, I'm not saying that there weren't new uh, housing units coming on the market. I'm just saying it was nothing like 2006, 7, and 8, where all you had to do was kind of show up and be able to spell the word house and you could get a construction loan. Um, And so builders learned from that period of time, hey, we can't outstrip the market in terms of building. Because what will end up happening is we'll have a bunch of 80% complete houses uh, with no money to finish them and no one willing to buy them. And so they they never got back to that place where they got overextended. Um, and, and so where we are right now here in, in 2023, in March of 2023, is of course we're seeing the market cool down a bit. It's cooling down from the idiotic spending. You don't have a bunch of cash buyers competing with each other um, trying to, to, to buy a house for way more than what it's worth. And so that, because you don't have that, you've seen a cooling in the housing market. Now you've also seen 
interest rates double. Okay. Now, historically, they're right in the middle, in the middle range. I mean, historically, they're all, they're where they have been. But since 08, we haven't seen historical historical norms for um, mortgages, and particularly in 2019, 2020, we did not see norms. Even into the early part of 2021, before they started raising rates again, you had ridiculously low rates. The Fed was pumping money into the market. They're creating more money than, than they're creating as much money as had existed before that period of time. And they were also um, holding rates low. Well, in, you know, inflation starts to rear its ugly head as it's going to. They called it transitory for a while. And then it was like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe it's not transitory. We're the smartest guys in the room. And we can't figure out that when you add trillions of dollars of cash to an economy, you get inflation that's not transitory, but whatever. And so, so now you've got mortgage rates up. You've got housing prices starting to cool off because demand has cooled off, but demand has not stopped. There was not, a, there's not an overglut of houses. There is still a gap between the number of people who want to buy a house and the number of people who have bought a house. There, while we're not seeing the historical once in a generation um, top like we were seeing in 2021. We're not seeing a crash like we saw in 2028 either. We're seeing a little bit of a reversion to the mean. Now, commercial real estate, we'll see what happens there. I think that there's a possibility that commercial real estate is just destroyed, that it'll never recover. I think there's enough people who are going to demand remote work, uh, and there's enough people who just aren't working, period, where I, I think that the commercial uh, space may never recover. That was an area that may have been overbuilt a little bit, and it was overbuilt definitely in certain markets. Um, but that's an area where you're just, you know, I think the paradigm shift has happened. Now, what will happen is, is that those commercial properties will probably lose a little bit of value and then they may be repurposed into something else. So that'd be a good business opportunity is to find out, okay, what can we do with these massive commercial properties that are sitting empty uh, that, you know, creates value. And at their current valuations, maybe nothing. But once they start to drop, I think that you'll see something there. Um, But that has nothing to do with the housing market. Um, I can tell you that, you know, we bought a house in June of 2020. We sold a house in, in July of 2020 and our house appraised for a little bit higher than what we expected it for in uh, Tennessee and the house we bought in Alabama actually appraised for a little bit lower than what we expected it to appraise for. So we walked in with equity and um, that was nice, but I'm telling you, I don't think, um, you know, we didn't put it this way. There was a time when the house that we bought in Alabama, Zillow which I know Zillow is, you know, they're, they're trying to get eyeballs. So the accuracy of their information they provide is a little bit suspect. Uh, they want you checking your, your Zestimate every week. And, and they know that the, the way to do that is to make that number look big. Um, but I can tell you that, you know, at one point, Zestimate was saying that our property was worth about $560,000. And I would never in a million years pay that for that property. 
now we were not in one of those markets. Birmingham was not one of those markets where you had a bunch of cash buyers competing with each other. Nashville was one of those markets. And I'd heard from, from some friends up there um, what they were seeing in the market. We never really got that level of craziness in Birmingham. Uh, now, we had houses that were on and off the market in 15 days for sure. Uh, but no one coming in saying, oh, I'll pay 15% over asking price and no inspections and da 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 So I think that uh, in the long run, um, you're definitely going to have a reversion to the mean in the housing, but you're not going to see the crash. You're not going to see a bunch of people giving up on their houses. Why would they? A lot of them are sitting on $100,000 for the equity and a 3% or less mortgage rate. This is this is not in 08 where people after five years, people were getting rates that were six times what they initially signed up for. They didn't qualify for a regular fixed. So those are kind of the reasons why I think that we're not going to see a big housing uh, crisis. You might see a big 30% drop in some of the big cities that, that got ridiculous. But overall, I think the market is strong. And um, I don't think we're going to have that kind of activity this time. So if you disagree with me, I'd love to hear about it. Email me at Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at hackmyhomestead.com. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say. We'll talk to you next time.